A very good Friday. Welcome to this edition of the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm your host, Lori Boyer. Coming up in the show here today, we'll bring you feature agricultural news reports, and then we'll check in with national and regional agricultural news headlines as well. And we get started with regional agricultural news right after this. Soil and Crop Incorporated is your number one resource for sustainable nutrition. Growers are faced with difficult challenges, and Soil and Crop Inc. has the experience, fertilizer, and biological portfolio to dramatically increase yield and performance in your troubled orchards and fields. Contact Soil and Crop Incorporated today for a free consultation on how we can help reverse the challenges you face as a conventional or organic grower so you can increase your bottom line and become a better sustainable farmer. Contact us today at 559-564-1236 or visit our website at www.callnrg.com. Soil and Crop, putting nature to work for you. More than 500,000 people are employed in California's massive agriculture industry, serving in all capacities, from picking crops to working at packing plants. Crowded housing and work sites, along with daily exposure to poor air quality, harmful pesticides, and a host of underlying conditions, make California agri-workers highly vulnerable to a COVID-19 infection. In 25 farm worker communities, infection rates are about two and a half times higher Speakers at a recent briefing discussed the challenges of getting accurate data about the farm worker community, the impact of expanded Medi-Cal, which aims to provide health insurance to all Californians regardless of immigration status, the need for continuing vigorous vaccination campaigns, including updated boosters and their families, and measures to expand access to antiviral treatment for farm workers. Dr. Ian Shapiro-Stregler, Chief Health Correspondent and Medical Affairs Officer at Ultimate, said they knew that going to farm workers was essential but they never felt it until they struggled with COVID-19 in 2020. When most communities were at home, they were out there making sure that they could feed families and they're going to be exposed. An estimated two-thirds are undocumented. Many come from indigenous communities in Mexico where Spanish is often rudimentary or non-existent. All these factors contribute to the enormous challenges that exist in ensuring farm workers have equitable access to health care. And as new variants emerge and winter infection rates rise, Shapiro warns against a prevalence of misinformation and diminishing sense of urgency around getting vaccinated. California farmers employing 25 or fewer workers are about to get their first experience with overtime pay if they keep their crews in the field beyond a set number of hours per day or per week. A 2016 law phasing in time and a half pay for farm workers who had never received it will require that small ag employers pay overtime for work done after nine hours in a single workday or 50 hours in a work week. The new rule will narrow the difference between smaller farming companies and larger ones that since January 1st of 2022 have been forced to pay overtime to ag laborers putting in more than eight hours a day or 40 hours per week. Lauded by farm worker advocates as ending some inequities that have kept field workers near the poverty line. The requirements have been criticized by growers and even some individual ag laborers as as upending conventions that have kept California farming competitive while allowing workers to put in longer hours that can lead to bigger paychecks. A spokesman for United Farm Workers Union acknowledged that some longtime ag laborers have been unhappy about seeing their hours cut since overtime rules started being phased in almost four years ago. That's because some employers have opted to hire more workers as a way of avoiding overtime pay for their existing 
existing crews. Farmers tend to see it differently. Many have complained of unintended consequences, not only for competitive reasons and higher costs, but also because what used to be six-day work weeks are often shortened to five. Some have also said they simply hire more workers to get the job done before overtime kicks in. No later than January 1st of 2024, ag companies with fewer than 26 workers will be required to pay overtime to employees working more than eight and a half hours per day or more than 45 hours per week. A year later, the thresholds lowered to eight and 40 respectively. An expanded approach for California walnuts. That is what the California walnut industry is embracing as it manages supply chain challenges and a sizable 2022 to 2023 walnut crop and looks at expanding its focus for the coming year. The final crop number has yet to be determined, but it's about 745,000 tons of walnuts, which is similar to last year's numbers, according to Robert Verloop, executive director and chief executive officer for the California Walnut Board and California Walnut Commission. He says they've seen a steady increase over the last two years as plantings over the last decade come into full maturity. However, the carry-in from the 2021 to 2022 crop was larger than the industry had hoped for at approximately 130,000 tons. This was partly the result of supply chain issues earlier in the year. All that product that normally would have shipped January through May ended up being shipped later into the year, so it compressed the amount of product available and it will overlap with the 2022 crop, according to Verloop. With California producing 99% of the U.S. production on walnuts. That's a lot of nuts. The U.S. follows China as the largest producer in the world, with the third largest being Chile. Local production also takes place through the Western and Eastern Europe areas, though those countries also import product. However, demand has somewhat slowed down on nut consumption, even with consumers eating healthier thanks to COVID. What's put the brakes on demand is the economic situation globally. People have not been as eager to purchase walnuts or other nuts because they look at them as being more expensive than other alternatives. They're actually a good value for the nutrition people are getting, according to Pam Graviet, Senior Marketing Director International for the Commission, adding that walnuts are a good source of plant-based omega-3s, protein, fiber, and more. While globally, the International Dried Fruit and Nut Council has noted a softening of nut consumption, expectations are that it's not going to stay that way. When economies recover, people will be more willing to spend on things other than the basics. So ultimately, long term, they do see this growth continuing, according to Graviat. To galvanize consumption, the commission is taking a few key steps via its own funding and the USA's market access program. It has targeted nine markets for sales growth, including Western Europe, the Middle East, Canada, Japan, and Korea. It's in these markets where it will enhance its integrated marketing approach, which includes public relations, advertising, and in-store promotions. It also continues to focus on improving domestic consumption. They are adding additional emphasis to the domestic and North American market, according to Verloop. Over the last couple of years, they've not had an active merchandising program building in-store promotions. They have since restarted that program. And with a look at the culinary food service and ingredient channels, it also means reimagining walnuts and moving towards a more center-of-the-plate item, such as meat substitute and some of the innovation being seen overseas with walnuts. In the U.S., a new shelf-stable product is available that when water is added can be used as a meat substitute. However, walnuts are also being used as walnut milk, walnut butters, and more in many countries.
The national average diesel fuel price has been falling steadily for nearly two months from peak prices experienced earlier in the year. With these lower costs, many truck rates are also going down, and some are back near to levels not seen since late 2019. The truck and driver shortages, which strained the supply chain over the past few years, have also eased, even with a typically high-demand holiday shipping season, seeing mostly adequate availability this year. With these positive signs, along with the easing of certain inflation markers, industry members and consumers alike can be hopeful for better times in the new year to come. Movement of blueberries through Arizona, California, and Texas is expected to increase. Trading was moderate with prices generally unchanged. Flats, 12, 6-ounce cups with lids, large, mostly $12. Quality is reported as variable. Sponsored by the California Walnut Board and Commission. Supporting the industry with on-farm innovation through production research, advocacy for government programs, and driving consumer demand doing more together. Joe Del Bosque, who grows almonds and organic melons near Firebaugh, doesn't even want to think about what the water future for 2023 holds. He has only to look back on the tough decisions he made before the start of the 2022 crop year because of expected water cutbacks. And Del Bosque said he's running pretty lean and doesn't have too many more places where he can cut should 2023 turn out to be equally dry. Heading into 2022, he eliminated his sweet corn and asparagus crops. He also reduced his melon plantings. Altogether, it amounted to leaving about 40% of his farm unplanted. But Del Bosque said even fallowing comes with a cost. If you go back to last year, you know, coming into this year, we had a lot of uncertainty, of course. And so, you know, a farmer tries to do the best planning they can with very little information and it's just like trying to predict the roll of a dice what's going to happen so what we did from 2021 to 2022 is we eliminated our asparagus that we were growing and and we eliminated the sweet corn that we were growing so between those two that was like about 150 acres that we took out of the program right from the get-go because we just didn't know and then as we went along, we saw that we we're going to have to probably cut back on our melon program also. So we did cut back on that just to try to be play it safe. And because the, the last thing you want to do is plant something and then not have enough water to get it, get it to finish and you lose the crop. That's, that's terribly expensive. So we did cut back a little bit on the melons too. So between everything, I don't know, we probably cut back 300 acres uh, or a little more. So that put about 40 or more percent of the farm fallow. So it was not good. I mean, all those fallow acres, you know, some of them are rented. we got to pay rent and we have to pay property taxes. we got to pay, pay water district assessments. We have to disc the weeds down. You know, there's all sorts of costs associated with, with land, whether you plant it or not. Uh, or if you're, you know, if you own the land, you've got to make the payments. It all adds up to a lot. It, it just becomes, it just uh, really burdens your overhead, basically, is what it does. Del Bosque said water quality wasn't so much an issue for his almonds since he received surface water from the Central Valley Project. He received the bulk of his water from the San Luis Water District with smaller amounts from Pacheco Water District. Both are CVP contractors. Del Bosque also receives a small amount of water from the Fireball Canal Water District, an exchange contractor guaranteed a certain amount of water even in a dry year. Because his overall water deliveries were significantly reduced, he opted to just apply enough water to keep his almond trees alive. 
Heading into 2023, Dalboski said he's deciding whether to pull the trees or possibly keep them going one more season. We're okay with quality because we get all of our just our water for the almonds uh, through the CVP, so it's all surface water. So that was okay. However, we tried to just cut back the amount of water that we use on them, just giving it, you might say, the minimum and keeping them going. So we cut back the water substantially, and, and it, it showed in our yields. Our yields were down, definitely. The trees live. They're, they're there. You know, they can go again. But that doesn't mean that we're going to continue with them because uh, we think that some of our acreage, we were planning to pull them out. But I think that we're, we're going to try one more time. We're going to take out insurance on them and see if, you know, if we get water, we may make them produce. If we don't, maybe we'll fall back on the crop insurance. Planning for yet another year of water unknowns is daunting, to say the least. Dalboski said he has a worst-case and a best-case scenario plan. While he understood why the Bureau of Reclamation, which operates the CVP, made the cuts in 2022, he said it still leaves farmers out in left field. It's very daunting. You know, you look at it as what is worst-case, best-case. And, you know, the best case is we'll get a little bit of water. We'll get some supplemental water that we get through transfers. It'll still be expensive. And worst case is we don't get enough water for our crops. And then what do we do? We've, you know, this is, we're going into this coming year with something potentially worse than we've ever been in before. And, and 2022 was the worst we'd ever been through before. So we're in bad shape. And, and I understand why the Bureau did that because the reservoirs are extremely low. They still got, you know, priority commitments they've got to deal with, which is the environment and the senior water rights and so forth. So that leaves us way out in, you know, in left field. And we're not sure. I mean, I, I talked to farmers in the area and I've never seen them so worried. Heading into 2022, Dalboski said he had to make the difficult decision to cut his staff by about a half, and some of those employees had been with him for more than 20 years. But staffing reductions weren't due to water alone. Inflation caused prices for fertilizer and labor to also climb, further squeezing his margins. But he said he really can't cut any more workers since he's down to a skeleton crew. From last year to this year, we cut our staff by half. That's a big cut. That's a huge cut. Because in the past, you know, where we probably could have cut it real deeply, we try to hang on to them, even though it was taking money out of my pocket to keep them on trying to get to the next year. But this last past year, I, I just couldn't afford to do that anymore because because so many costs went so high. Inflation really did take a, a, a big impact on us. I mean, starting with water, labor went up, fertilizers were up, everything was up. So we didn't have the cushion to carry excess staff, so we cut our staff very deeply, and I hated to do that because many of those uh, employees were with us a long time, and and right now we're down to a skeleton crew. Basically, I can't afford to lose them because if I lose them, I won't have anything anybody to come back next year. So I don't know. We're, we're at a crossroads here. 
with uh, with uh, with our, both us and our employees. These types of economic hardships caused by the drought aren't limited to just one farmer or even his or her crew. They permeate the communities around the state that rely on agriculture. And even the local diner, tire shop, and market feel the impact because they are serving fewer customers and those customers have less money to spend. This is Vicki Boyd for My Ag Life. JCS Marketing is your number one way to connect with the ag industry. Through print magazines, digital media, podcast, and live and virtual events, JCS Marketing has the reach to inform, educate, and influence growers in the Western United States. Everywhere you go, you see West Coast Nut Magazine on every one of my customers' tables. So that tells you everything. That's, that, it's there, so they're reading it. Our My Ag Life platform includes podcast interviews and digital articles for busy professionals on the go. Our live events, continuing education webinars, and virtual conferences help growers connect with leading researchers and industry leaders. Let JCS Marketing help you connect. The Environmental Protection Agency and the Army Corps of Engineers announced a final rule establishing the definition of waters of the United States. They say the rule reduces uncertainty from consistency, changing regulatory definitions, protects people's health, and supports economic opportunity. The final rule restores essential water protections that were in place before 2015 under the Clean Water Act for traditional navigable waters, the territorial seas, interstate waters, and the upstream water resources that significantly affect those waters. Following extensive stakeholder engagement, EPA is delivering a durable definition of WOTUS that safeguards the nation's waters, strengthens economic opportunity, and protects people's health. That according to EPA Administrator Michael Reagan. He also says it provides greater certainty for farmers, ranchers, and landowners. Michael Connor, Assistant Secretary for the Army Corps for Civil Works, says this definition provides clarity long desired by farmers, industry, environmental groups, and other stakeholders. It also allows for more effective rule implementation. The American Farm Bureau Federation will present its highest honors to former Executive Vice President Dale Moore and former North Carolina Farm Bureau President Larry Wooten. The two will receive the Distinguished Service Award and the Farm Bureau Founders Award, respectively, during the 2023 AFBF Annual Convention in Puerto Rico. Farm Bureau established the Distinguished Service Award to honor individuals who have devoted their careers to serving the interests of American agriculture. The Founders Award is presented in recognition of outstanding achievements and work in the interest of Farm Bureau. Moore, a Kansas native, has been a champion of agriculture in the public and private sectors for more than 40 years. Wooten's Farm Bureau career spans more than 50 years, peaking when he was elected president of NCFB in 1999, a position he held until 2019. The American Farm Bureau Federation's annual convention is January 6th through the 11th in San Juan, Puerto Rico. President Joe Biden signed the omnibus spending package into law that diverts a government shutdown and keeps it running until September 30th of 2023. The bill with more than 4,000 pages contains many notable items important to U.S. farmers and ranchers. The bill includes $3.7 billion in disaster funding for crop and livestock losses due to drought and other problems in 2022. There is $350 million allocated for rice producer payments to compensate for the rice drop in revenue, as well as $100 million provided 
provided for payments to cotton merchandisers as a result of losses related to COVID or supply chain disruptions. Livestock mandatory reporting is extended until September 30th. It also includes price transparency as the USDA and the Justice Department are to analyze issues regarding transparent meat pricing and price discovery for cattle producers. Raw or processed chicken imported from China cannot be used in the federal school lunch program. The Energy Information Administration says ethanol production plunged in the seven days that ended December 23rd to the lowest level in more than two months while inventories rose. Output during the week averaged 963,000 barrels a day, down from 1.029 million barrels a week earlier. The EIA report says that is the lowest level since a week ending on October 7th. The EIA report says that is the lowest level since a week ending October 7th. The Midwest produces the most ethanol in the country and saw production drop to 906,000 barrels a day on average, down from 975,000 a previous week. The Midwest drop was the entire loss during the week as production on the East Coast and in the Rocky Mountain regions was steady. West Coast output rose by an average of 1,000 barrels a day to 9,000 for the week. Ethanol stockpiles during the week rose to 24.63 million barrels. That is the highest level of inventory since the seven days ending April 8th. How do two USDA programs centered on foreign export market development and market access provide benefits to the nation's economy and to the agriculture sector? USDA Ag News reporter Rod Bain reports. How might foreign market promotion and development for U.S. ag goods benefit the economy and export opportunities? USDA Foreign Agricultural Service Deputy Administrator Mark Slupak says a once-every-five-year study is focused on its market access and foreign market development programs. This year, a study was completed by IHS Market in cooperation with Texas A&M University. So the findings of the most recent study indicates that the MAP and FMD programs increase exports by about $9.6 billion annually, which represents about 13.7% of ag, fish, and forestry exports. In addition, the study determined that the U.S. ag export value increased by $24.50 for every dollar invested in export market development. He adds the study shows market development investment contributes about $45 billion annually in economic output and $22.3 billion in gross domestic product, creating thousands of U.S. jobs. FAS recently announced its MAP and FMD funding awards for this fiscal year. Under the MAP, we provided in the first round about $175, $176 million in funding to 67 nonprofit organizations and cooperatives. That's actually a little bit short because the four wood groups that we fund work together. So really, we're funding a little bit over 70 different organizations through the MAP. The FMD program, about $27 million has been allocated so far to 20 trade organizations that represent U.S. ag producers. As the deputy administrator alluded to, it is more than bulk commodities covered under MAP and FMD funding. Under the FMD, because of consumer promotion, we cover the entire spectrum of horticultural products, fruits, vegetables, tree nuts, etc. We also cover unusual items such as ginseng. And people often forget that we cover fish products and forest products under these programs as well. There's almost nothing you can think of in the ag world that's exported by the United States that doesn't participate in these programs. MAP and FMD recipients use 
allocations in ways such as working with FAS offices in export countries to resolve trade barriers or participating in country or regional trade shows and exhibits to promote product. Deputy Administrator Slupak adds, We're seeing a lot of cooperators dive deep into social media. We're seeing a turn away from TV marketing or radio advertising or certainly mail promotion and a big turn towards more modern ways of reaching people. And we're seeing some really great results in this area. We've seen a lot of cooperators invest money in the best ways to expend their funding to reach consumers directly through these new opportunities. I'm Rod Bain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. Bee Hero is the leading almond pollination provider. We deliver measurable and verifiable pollination outcomes for almond growers and turn a previously unquantified fingers crossed gamble into a controllable expenditure. For the first time, growers can know exactly what they are getting for their money during pollination. Bee Hero accurately evaluates your bees' pollination contribution in real time and gives you unprecedented visibility into the progress of bloom. Don't leave pollination to chance. Be sure, be precise, be hero. Call Charlie Phillips, VP of Sales at 559-467-9699. Be hero, superior bees, superior pollination. JCS Marketing is your number one way to connect with the ag industry. Through print magazines, digital media, podcasts, and live and virtual events, JCS Marketing has the reach to inform, educate, and influence growers in the Western United States. Everywhere you go, you see West Coast Nut Magazine on every one of my customers' tables. So that tells you everything. That's, that, it's there, so they're reading it. Our My Ag Life platform includes podcast interviews and digital articles for busy professionals on the go. Our live events, continuing education webinars, and virtual conferences help growers connect with leading researchers and industry leaders. Let JCS Marketing help you connect. That will wrap up today's show. You've been listening to the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm Lori Boyer. From all of us here at the JCS Marketing Team, thank you for listening. (laughs) 